The only advantage of the Uber in that scenario is you can get drunk and not worry about it. But <laughs> I don't think the Lambda function, you know, is going to help with that. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my garage lighting consultant, Prasanna Malianti. How's it going, Prasanna? I'm good, Curtis. Although, I think shortly you will become my garage lighting consultant. You think so? You think it's going to be like a, like a what do you call it, a, the tables will turn, you think? Yeah, or it's like when the, what is it, when the student becomes a master. <laughs> yeah this is this is not one of those areas though where you where you you know pulled out one of your your extensive youtube experiences as i recall so i think it's fair to say that you did this project and then you talked to me after it was all done had had you reached out before i would have yeah i've done quite a bit of research on garage lighting so <laughs> Of course you have. Of course I have. Of course you have. How many YouTube videos have you watched on garage lighting? Uh, probably at least 25 or 30. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. We're back to, we're back to you being a random expert in stuff that I have no idea why you're an expert in. But, but yeah, I did I did this one a little willy-nilly. I just sort of I, you know, I've been needing that light in there. This is in my woodworking room that as you that you know that i have built yep. and now and I, I i figure that it would be a good idea if there was good lighting in yep. a place with all sharp tools yeah i was actually going to think if you need like uh, task lighting as well or if there's enough because depending on like you don't want the light behind you when you're on a table saw trying to cut a piece of wood, you know, you'll get the shadows. I, I and usually else. close my eyes when I use a table saw. Should I not do that? And this is why one of your fingers is <laughs> that one. slightly there shorter. You go. Yeah. That's <laughs> I'm not flipping them off, viewers that are viewing. Both these fingers have been injured in power tools. My wife gets very angry at me when I display my <laughs> my injuries. Um, and yeah, so this finger uh, it actually had an avulsion which is a, a laceration that removes flesh. Um, that was not good. So yeah, that yeah. was many years ago, you know, and it's been an awfully long time. Yeah. Learned a lot. Uh, let's see. The last power tool injury was only a, um, a, a nail, nail through gun. the hand. A shooting <laughs> nail into my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's been a couple of years, right? So yeah, it's been a couple of years. Yeah, and the, and the the hilarious part was I did it like after telling my granddaughter, "Don't touch this tool because it could do really scary things." <laughs> and then I send it. I sit, try to send a nail through my. I don't think it made it all the way through, but it definitely because I was holding a piece of wood and shooting a nail into it, and the the nail went. It took a corner. The nail it bent a corner and it went into my finger. Yeah, always be careful around power tools. <laughs> uh, 
and make sure you wear your safety goggles. Yeah, all the things. Yeah. Um, you know, always back up your data. Always wear your safety glasses. Yeah. And uh, make sure you have plenty so of lighting. <laughs> we have we yeah, and make sure you have plenty of lighting. We have a another cool guest today. This is one of those people, another person who uh, he has a unique vantage point in that he has known me for a really long time. He first got to know me as a customer, meaning he was a customer of mine. I was a consultant um, at a company that he used to work. He now, I am super jelly. He is now retired and um, is like, you know, hopping on cruises left and right. So I really, I dislike this guy, but he's, <laughs> but he's a really good guy. And, uh, you know, he's been around like me a long time. So, you know, he's got a few backup stories to tell. Welcome to the podcast, Stuart Little. Hi. How are you doing? Thanks. <laughs> Good to be here. <laughs> so I have a question. And by the way, Stuart, that is, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Persona. I have a question for you, Stuart. When sure. you retire from the backup industry, right, is it kind of like a spy where it never gets turned off, like those skills that you're always thinking about when you're on like a cruise? It's like, I wonder if they back up this data. What would happen? Yeah, yeah I, I, I have those thoughts from time to time, but you know, that it's kind of like uh, a headache. I wish it would go away real quick, <laughs> you know, but but yeah, I mean, I've been I've been doing IT since like the early 70s. And I started out as a programmer in the Air Force hmm. because I was going to get drafted and I signed up for the Air Force, which may or may not have been a mistake, but <laughs> they still had to draft at that point. Yeah, when I, I was, I didn't know how long they had in. to draft. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I got I got my draft notice the day after I uh, signed up, and hmm. that was in seventy three, hmm. seventy two or seventy two, seventy two. Yeah. yeah. So for the record, so, um, I was in like second grade. <laughs> and <laughs> so it's not often so I was, that I get to feel young, Stuart. So <laughs> okay, you there know. you go. Um so make me feel old. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So so yeah, I was doing COBOL programming on punch cards when I was in the Air Force. So Dang. and our you know, and our backups of those programs were the punch cards that we used. And God helped you if you dropped them. Would they actually make two copies of punch cards? Like if they, you know, that how did that happened. work back then? Yeah. Well, they, they didn't do that. I mean, I, it, you know, I wasn't thinking backups at the time. So if you, if you had a program that you'd written, um, you had the punch card deck, you can make changes to it and then you could load it into the, into the computer and then you could put it on tape if you wanted to. So that could be, you know, and I'm talking reel to reel. Yeah. Like the stuff real to show. real. Did you ever <laughs> use, did you ever use punch tape? I that did. Was the thing too. Okay. Yeah, I used that as well. Um, and that was actually cooler, you know, for doing doing quick stuff. Oh, okay. Quick story. Quick story. When I was in high school, I I went to a high school with in Seattle with Bill Gates' older sister. 
and she and I were in the same calculus class. And Bill Gates and I were in the same Boy Scout troop. Oh, crazy. <laughs> and, what? Yeah, really. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and Bill Gates went to a school called Lakeside, which was in the Seattle area. But he had a um, there was a place in Seattle called Computer Center Corporation, which had some deck 10 gear and stuff like that. And my high school had a computer programming class and our teacher took us to that place. And we did some, um, I think it was um, Fortran programming or maybe basic. And we were using punch tape at the time for that. But, but when we went in there, apparently that was one of Bill Gates hangouts and he was not, um, well thought of by the people that managed that data center because he would typically come in and do things to make their lives miserable, like crash the computers and stuff like that. <laughs> so just yeah. there's a typical a high schooler. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Typ typical high schooler. But look where he is now. You know, yeah. A divorced uh, billionaire. Yeah. <laughs> it's about as much in the way of Bill Gates stories, I can tell. That's interesting. <laughs> We talked earlier about um, something that happened very early on in my after military career, mm -hmm. um, which was I went to work for a large bank in Seattle that doesn't exist anymore and not because of this incident, but um, <laughs> that's good to hear. They, they, uh, they had, they had a, situation that one of the guys came to me one time and I hadn't been on that job for very long, maybe a month or two. And, um, this guy came up to me and he says, Hey, we need some help. Um, we just had the last tape copy of this information get overwritten. So they only had three copies, you know, the, the, grandfather, father, and son, whatever, you, I don't know, what, whatever they wanted to call it. But, but in any case, they needed to have this data brought back. And they asked for me to help with it along with a couple of other people. And basically, the only information they had on that data was all on printouts. You know, so here's the latest printout that we have. And here are the columns of data and whatnot. Can you help us out? And we had to figure out a way, okay, we need to have data entry people oh. type in this stuff from the printouts and then put it together in the right order and stuff. Yeah. So that was and, my first, I guess, data recovery project that I ever worked on. And yeah. what, how long did that take? <laughs> I, it only, I think it only took us, um, well, I think the data entry took a while. I don't recall exactly about that, but I know that the people that I was working on this with, we each had a piece of it to write, to pull the data from whatever was gotten in through data entry into um, a, the, the format that it needed to be in. I don't, I, and, I, and I think that part may have only taken a, a couple or three days, but the, but the actual data entry part could have taken quite a bit longer. But we were, we were able to get it done, so... So yeah. they so they had multiple tapes of it, but somehow all three had been overwritten. Just overwritten. Yep. Yep. That's, and it was uh, and it was based on a certain period of time, you know. So like after seven days, 
the grandfather mm. got over it. And then after 14 days, the father got over it. That kind of thing. And then it's funny. That is not a data restoration story. That is a data reentry story. <laughs> That's like the yeah. worst case scenario, right? But just um, be glad they had printouts, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't have printouts anymore. Nobody's going to be print out um unless you're like a a cpa they like to print out paper and have it hanging around um but yeah it it reminds me of my my first data you know restoration nightmare because i also had when we had this outage it was it was it was a purchasing database and when we had the outage i went to go look for the tapes and I was told to look at the logs. It, they, th- th- these were Unix systems, and this was dump. And I was told to look at the logs, and I was told to look for these certain errors. And if these errors were there, then go to the previous backup. Well, I kept going, and I kept going, and I kept going, and the errors were always there. And uh, eventually, I found a backup that was, you know, that was valid, and it was just over six weeks old. And uh, our retention period was six weeks, right? <laughs> and you know, I remember just wanting to crawl under and and that you know speaking of speaking of dudes going on alaskan vacations uh this morning i'm literally looking at on facebook another friend of mine that is the guy that saved my bacon on that day his name's joe fitzpatrick another guy whose name comes up once in a while in the podcast he doesn't even remember this event right um i just remember that he he pulled up the Unix, you know, command prompt, which at that time for me was still like magic. I was only in maybe a couple of months and he did some stuff with FSEK or something and somehow got the drive to a point where we could get something off of it. And we only lost two days worth of purchase orders in this database and to me, that became, you know, the, the, the defining moment in my career. Like, I'm like, that's not going to happen to me. And to Joe, it was just a Tuesday. So to him, <laughs> it doesn't, he doesn't even remember the story. It's like the single handedly, like the, the single most defining moment of my career. And Joe doesn't even remember it. And now he's, he's off to Alaska, sending me pictures like you've been sending me from your Alaskan cruises. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So, so, yeah, so w- uh, do you remember the first time we worked together? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was at Amgen. Um, yeah, and you and came was it in Thousand Oaks us. or was it in Seattle? It was in Thousand Oaks. Okay, all right. Oh, well, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're right, there was a class that you did in Seattle. Mm-hmm. To the people that were there just after the merger, right? They had yeah, and there would have been yeah, a merger. So you did a class on net backup, and because <laughs> they were using net backup at um, Amgen, and you did a class there on net backup. I remember. I th- I think that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. It, the 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 funny thing is, you know, like I was not a net backup instructor, but it was like. This is how I use NetBackup. That's what I remember yeah. if I was going to do. Yeah. And that was in 2002, I believe. Oh, it was a few years ago. Yeah. How do you remember that year? 
I'm so bad at years. There were there were certain things that happen in certain years. Oh, I mean, okay. That's, that's that's one of them. You know, it's yeah. like that's when I yeah, as part of that merger, they took a group of people at, at the Seattle office and they said, "You can either go to work for us in Thousand Oaks, or you can get laid off in October." <laughs> and you're like, I think I'm going to move to Oxnard. Yeah, well, actually, it was th- um, uh, Camarillo, but that's okay. Camarillo, yeah. that's right. Camarillo. Uh, yeah. yeah, close enough. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And um, so, what was Curtis like back then? I only know Curtis now. What was he like back then? <laughs> he was. It was just as funny and and interesting as he is now. I'll 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 just go with was that. I was I as devastatingly handsome as as I am now? Well, you know. I'm I'm not the person who would be able to <laughs> give up a, a good uh, assessment. By the way, speaking of being devastatingly handsome, we are the bearded trio today. <laughs> the bearded and headphoned trio. Two of us yeah. with gray beards. One not so much. Yeah, Although there's some gray right. in there. Exactly. Yeah, there's some see? gray in there. <laughs> um, thinking about the, I'm pretty sure it was the Seattle days. There was a boss, and I think you and I have talked about this recently, but there was a boss that you had, and I'm pretty sure he was there and or yeah. in Thousand Oaks. Darn it if I can remember, but the name the name Scott rings a bell. Oh, oh, oh and okay, okay. Yeah. he was the one <laughs> that he wanted backup retention of two weeks and no more. Do you remember this? I, I don't remember that. I know the guy you're talking about, and actually mm-hmm. he... He was one of the people who was involved in the transition from the company that I used to work for that got us, um, merged into Amgen. And he later became a director in Seattle and then went back to Thousand Oaks, um, you know, at a higher level. Um, but you don't, you don't remember this thing company. about the two weeks? I don't. I don't uh, remember the two weeks. I don't remember the two Because I remember but... it very distinctly because it's the only time in my entire mm. career when I had someone say something that to me sounded so crazy, ill-advised. <laughs> ill-advised, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Um, does, does that sound as ill-advised as treating all backups equally? Um, I'm going to say more like, ill-advised, but I, I know yeah. what you're saying about, yeah. So is yeah. that, was that something else that you ran into? Oh, I ran into that when I was consulting. I found a, you know, there was a big, um, oil and gas company in Texas that, that said dev tested prod. It doesn't matter. Oh. It all gets treated the same. And mm. I'm like, you guys are insane. <laughs> this is, this is crazy. Yeah, talk. That, that, if I'm the, the budgets. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, as long, yeah. If, if you don't care about money, number yeah. one, and number two, yeah. if you basically, as as long as you're not treating dev test and prod like dev, right? As long if you're treating dev test oh. and prod like prod, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and you have a solid plan and everything for everything. But I would still that even if you even if you've got a system that's capable of backing up and restoring all of that, you still need priorities Yes, because in a disaster recovery situation, you're not going to recover dev and test 
before you recover pride. Right. Right. And, and even and, within and I, pride, you're you're not going to recover all those systems at the same time. You should have segments, yeah. right? Right. Um yeah. Like, so, so I mean you know, another part of that is they didn't have a uh, a CMDB. Mm. So what's a CMDB right? for our listeners? Configuration management database. In other words, you got all your servers and all your applications in this database and you say what they are, whether they're dev product test, and then you you prioritize them like like Curtis was saying, and you can you can find them because you know their location, you know their name, you know what they do, all of that stuff. Um, you got serial numbers on all of the hardware asset tags on all the hardware they didn't they didn't really have that they had it they had it but they didn't it wasn't fully populated with all the stuff they really needed so yeah hmm i have another distinct memory from someone in seattle oh no from someone in seattle again i could be wrong but my memory is that it was someone in seattle talking about migration you were migrating off of netware um, and there yeah. was a guy that was a netware lover. <laughs> yes, I and I remember him saying, <laughs> "I remember him saying that it was job security that he he knew he knew that it was way harder to use than everything else, and that nobody else knew it but him. But he didn't <laughs> see a problem with that. <laughs> <clears throat> I know the guy you're talking about, and he he actually. Uh, bought a place in Idaho when I was, you know, before I moved there. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we've, we've kept in touch, but yeah, I, I know <laughs> yeah. his name. <laughs> but yeah, we, we see that. We see that a lot in, in technology. We see it in backup systems where someone, a, a new and interesting and possibly much better backup system comes along, but then you got the guy that knows net backup. And so he doesn't want to let go. He's got all this, you know, knowledge of having run the, the backup system for so long. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, wait, or- that guy was you. I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't even have to be just backup. So even no, no. customers it's, moving uh, yeah. to like VMware, right? Virtualization and your server admins are like, what am I going to do now? Yeah. I think it's called Broadcomware now. <laughs> Oh. I think so too. Yep. <laughs> it's broad it's broadcomware, I think it's called. Broad VM VM Broadcom. Oh, broad- oh, oh, that's right. So is is it going to It's happening. Is it gonna be well, like uh, semantic and, and uh Veritas? I sure as hell hope not. <laughs> uh, I rem- I remember I remember going to Veritas Vision back when Veritas had a vision, but when they went to Veritas vision, it was a year after the acquisition. And I remember saying, it appears that you've spent an entire year painting everything yellow and black, right? That's literally, that's literally all that they had done for the entire year. And, and I, I, I don't think I was being unkind. It, it's just that that did not go well like and you know and they yeah. parted ways and now there's veritas and now there's semantic i'll throw out our disclaimer persona and i work for different companies persona worked for zoom i work for druva and this is not a podcast of either company the things that you hear on here are our opinions nothing more and uh be sure to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash restore 
And also, you know, if you like to talk about backup, restore, archive, security, protection, or privacy, et cetera, we'd love to have you on. Just uh, contact me at wcurtispreston at Gmail or at WC Preston on Twitter. You can DM me. I accept all DMs and uh, we can chat. Let's talk about some other interesting things that you remember over the years in terms of adapting to new, you know, new ways of doing backups or, you know, because you've seen in in 20 years, you've seen the move from tape to, well, from, from, from punch guard to tape, from tape to disc, from disc to cloud. You know, what was that like? Um, you know, it's interesting. When I was, let's just take Amgen as an example. When I first got there, everything was going to DLT and we were using um, a certain offsite storage vendor to, you know, pick up the things and take them off to some other site. Um, and then it went to, um, uh, so that was physical tape. And then we went to virtual tape. Oh yeah. Okay. Hang on. <clears throat> so DLT for the, for those of you yes. that were, haven't been around, that was digital linear tape. That was the predecessor to LTO. So it was a, it was a linear tape the way LTO is, as opposed to helical scan tape, which is a completely different thing. Did you ever use any helical stuff like D, DDS or eight millimeter mm. uh, or AIT? Oh, we, we did have some. And, okay. and at the same time we transitioned off of DLT to LTO, we transitioned off of those as well. Gotcha. So we did so have AIT. Transition. Yeah. So we transitioned to that. And then we also had gotten into virtual tape libraries and which, certain big Which, vendors. again, if, if you're new to this world, somebody's listening to this going, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what, is a, what is a virtual tape library? <laughs> Stuart, so it's a disc-based system that emulates writing to tape, and it makes. And why makes, in the hell would somebody do that? <laughs> Supposedly, it was faster and easier to work with, but we but, had but our own. Why challenges. would a disc? That, I get why you <laughs> use disc. Why would a disc pretend to be tape? Uh, because well, the backup software primarily dealt with tape and didn't know about writing the disk. Yeah, so it was a it was a band aid situation, right? And I remember many years ago, several years ago, <clears throat> I was sitting sitting chatting with a gentleman by the name of Mark Stamer, and I'll have to I'll have now I have to tweet to him about this mm-hmm. episode. But Mark Stamer and I made a bet one year. And this was when I was a big fan of VTLs at the time. And he's like, in five years, nobody's going to be buying VTLs. Like it, it was something that he's like, there, there's going to be fewer <laughs> VTLs sold than, than the alternative. And I was like, I bet you, you know, we, I, as I recall, I, I, I owe him dinner because <clears throat> the thing was that basically it was a time when backup products really didn't know how to handle yeah. writing to disc very well. Right. And so we needed to, and, and I can think of one big backup, I'm going to call it protocol, that really didn't know how to write to tape. And it's one, I'm sorry, that didn't know how to write to disc. And it's one that you would have, you would have been exposed to there at Amgen because I remember helping with it. Do you remember it? 
Tar? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'll give you right. a. I'll give you a hint. Uh, the thing that used it rhymes with uh, Schmetap. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember yeah. the way you backed up? What was that? Uh, oh, geez. NDMP. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That's right. Yeah, NDMP so that was... didn't know how to do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the only way to get um, data yeah. off your net app. Yep. Yeah. And so, and so, disc pretended to be tape. And yeah. I, I think, I think they still sell that stuff, but I don't, yep. I mean, I know that Quantum does. I know that, um, and does Data Domain still Data do? Data Domain do still you know? supports VTL. Yep. Uh, for all three yeah. of its customers that use yeah. it? <laughs> no, I, so when I, so I used to be at EMC at the time, right? After the data domain acquisition, I joined EMC. And I remember hearing stories, though, that the big selling point for data domain initially, like you're saying, it's you go into those accounts with tape customers and be like, hey, here's a very simple deduplicated appliance, deduplication appliance. You just swap <coughs> out your tape drive or tape library with this, and you're all good to go and look at these amazing cost savings that you get with all the deduplication. Right. Yeah. So that that was the next phase, right? Was yeah, <clears throat> was Going deduplicated disk, yeah. right? And and you um, you used a lot of that stuff back in the day. Oh yeah, you, we used a lot of that stuff. We went from we went to data domain, and uh, then we ended up with strictly uh, net backup appliances. So with with net backup dedupe integrated into uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. And then replicating to a remote site using that. Yeah. Right. Right. So it, it, it. it basically eliminated the need for sending stuff off site to, you know, with tape. So you actually lived what, what I'm going to call backup Nirvana, right? <laughs> because we talked yeah. about this a lot, but I, but I very rarely met people that actually did it. And that was that they went tapeless with a deduplicated, replicated system, you had the on-site backup and the off-site backup, yeah. and nobody touched the tape, and right. no man, there was no man in a van. But that was only good at certain sites that would have allowed it due to bandwidth issues, or um, you know, in certain uh, European states that wouldn't necessarily allow it. What and what was the challenge there? Um, I. I believe there was like um, in Europe and in the EU, they have certain data uh, privacy laws that don't allow you to move things over across borders or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. Well, I, I would just assume that you would do it within the border, but yeah, that that's definitely a problem. Well, in if you like Switzerland, not part of the EU and has their own set of laws on that stuff, I think they're they're one of the ones that we couldn't really do it to unless we had two sites in Switzerland, which yeah. I don't think we did we right one. so but they might, they might be they might be joining nato though yeah, yeah there you go <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think um, i think there's a good shot there yeah. um okay so yeah so if, if the laws allowed it uh yeah. and things like that then you would do that mm -hmm. and um and what how much better was that 
from comparing it to oh. the tape world to what you what you had before this, you know so you had the tape world you had the tape plus data domain world and then you went with this appliance world how much better or, or was it better was it oh yeah more complicated yeah, huge huge amount better um the the big problem with doing restores of, of files of course is bandwidth across the wan how long is it going to take to restore a big file that kind of thing but i think it still worked out to be better than say and and we always did have the option here's the option of at the remote site if that's the only copy of the data copying it to tape and shipping the tape to the to the site where you really needed to restore it you know that that because never underestimate the uh the bandwidth of a 747 full of dlts <laughs> or LTS. that's right that's right <laughs> never underestimate the band bandwidth of a truck is my usual thing yeah, but yeah, yeah but yeah a plane full of of LTOs, LTOs. is pretty huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, was, yeah. Was there something you found, though, that was lacking with this new solution versus what you had before? Because I think uh, everyone understands the pros of going with sort of a backup appliance-based approach versus older tape style. But was there something that you found was lacking with this approach or that you wish it could do that? Um. I, I think the only thing I wish it could do is to 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 be able to be more of a quick restore across the WAN is yeah. is probably the biggest thing. But for the yeah, most that, part, yeah, it's it was pretty nice having that because you didn't have to deal with somebody constantly saying, <laughs> "Well, I I forgot I couldn't get into the office because of the snowstorm, so I couldn't get the tapes off site," and then you have a disaster. Yeah, right. Just but it sounds like you you were able to have different retention on your primary and then your secondary because you you mentioned that there would be backups that would only be at that secondary because you could solve the problem by having the same size systems on both sides right because then right right if you're doing a restore from the the, the place where you're backing up you would restore from the yeah you could restore the, the initial server but that yeah but that's a lot more expensive if yeah, but but if yes, I um, but I don't think there was different retentions on that. It was the same retention, and we if we needed to back it restore something quickly, we could do it from the local copy rather than the remotely replicated copy. Why would you ever restore it from the remotely re replicated copy? If you had a problem with your you know primary site going down and uh, you know the backup system being compromised somehow, then you would want okay. to do that. Okay. See, but you is felt a test, you... I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, not a test. it's just I didn't. Uh, um, I didn't. Um, I wasn't there, man. Okay. Um, and I, I didn't ever have to administer those net backup appliances in production. So we talked about now you went from tape to sort of VTL to backup appliances. Did you ever have to worry about, like, what do you do with applications that are moving to the cloud while you were there at Amgen? Yeah, I did. And unfortunately, I was not one of the main people that got into that. So gotcha. I, my experience with the cloud-based stuff is not as extensive as some of the other people that I worked with. Gotcha. So um, yes, we did that. And, and in fact, there's a lot of applications that ended up at uh, AWS 
and you know things like in fact um one of my coworkers ended up going to work there so <laughs> And, and what was the what was the general feeling of that? Was it was it because you might have been in some of those? Was it like saying, "Hey, well, we definitely well we definitely got to back that stuff up," or or was there a feeling oh. of like, "Well, it's the cloud, so we're good"? No, I think the um, the feeling was that that people thought that that it was a good thing to use, and they didn't really take into account the full expense of that when they were talking about it. They were just looking at it from the standpoint of, hey, we can reduce our data center footprint if we put this stuff to the cloud and virtualize it. Right. And not necessarily realizing that in some cases you're going to be spending as much, if not more, on stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, subscription-based pricing for hardware is essentially <laughs> what that is. Yeah, the thing yeah, that exactly. we talked about before, right? Yeah. So going back to an earlier conversation we had in the podcast where the uh, person was afraid of their job getting sort of obsolete, were you afraid <laughs> yeah. of that when they were starting to move to the cloud? And were you thinking, oh, man, is this oh. going to mean I'm out of a business or out of a job? No. or no, not at all. And I think it primarily was because of the fact that there were still applications that they wanted to keep in-house, hmm. on-prem. And uh, they didn't want to uh, put that out to the cloud. So, no, there was still that. And then there's also, again, that, that cost factor, I think. Because if, if we got involved with it properly we could point out that, Hey, <laughs> this is still cheaper, yeah. you know, but, but I think that's changing. I haven't, I haven't been involved so much with it recently. You guys probably know more about that. But, What's changing? What aspect? Um, the, the pricing <clears throat> for, for virtualization and cloud-based stuff. I, I don't know. What do you think persona? I would say you now have more options like you can pick cheaper tiers of storage. Uh, mm -hmm. You can try to optimize and spin down like instances when they're not in use or allow them to be preempted, right? There right. is Lambda functions, which means you don't necessarily run a server. You're just running code when it needs to run. So they've given you more options. I don't necessarily know if it's cheaper, <laughs> right? But it's now <laughs> well, up it... to the developer to optimize for those costs if they can. Yeah, I... I think it is cheaper if you use the cloud the way cloud can be used. Like you can't do it. You can't do a Lambda function in a data center. The concept of running a Lambda function is that you, you get to do this for next to nothing. And if it's something that you do infrequently or th there, there is a crossover point, yeah. right? Where you, you're right. paying by the Lambda function, but it's super, super cheap. But at some point you cross a boundary and now well this would be cheaper if i would just rent a vm for a certain number of hours per day right. um and so i i think that the, the people that continue to struggle with cloud costs are people that don't they they don't treat the cloud like that they they just they just treat the cloud as another data center and so they they say well we have a thousand vms over here we got a thousand VMs over there. We got twenty terabytes of storage over here. We got twenty terabytes of storage over there, 
And that is the guaranteed way to have your cost skyrocket. Mm. Doesn't matter what the cloud vendor is, if you're renting your hardware, because that's what you're doing, yeah. right? You're renting yeah. your hardware. And, and I know I make this analogy a lot, but it's like going from owning a car and you go, gee, I don't want, I don't want the troubles of owning a car anymore. So I'm going to rent a car from Avis all the time, <laughs> right? I, I, I don't want to do, I don't want to do oil changes. I want that to be Avis's problem. So I'm going to rent a car from Avis 24 seven and have it sitting in my driveway. But I'm going to, but, but renting a car is an incredibly expensive way to have a car. It's mm-hmm. great if you need it for a day or even a week, or you need a car where you happen to be, which isn't where you live. That's right. what Avis is for. And that's the way the cloud should be. You should buy little pieces. And if what you're doing is just running a, a server 24 by 7, <laughs> then it's going to be more expensive than having that same exact server sitting in your site. Um, but I'm sorry, I jumped I up would, on a soapbox no, there. But I want to take your no, analogy one step further and say that All right. Lambda is the equivalent of Uber in your example. Agreed. Lambda <laughs> is the equivalent of Uber. And Uber is a great cheap way to do to do certain things, right? But if you take Uber all day, it's going to be even more expensive than renting that car, Yeah. right? Yeah. Shoot. Actually, you don't even have to take Uber that much. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could take, take, take a couple Ubers a day and you're going to start to be wondering, you know, if you should have a rental car. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yeah. you know, again, this is where the analogy falls apart. The only advantage of the Uber in that scenario is you can get drunk and not worry about it. But <laughs> I don't think the Lambda function, you know, is going to help with that. Yeah. Um, so, okay, um, Stuart, is there anything that you, you know, like if you had had your druthers, if you could have waved a magic wand, is there anything that you would have wanted to have? You know, from a backup and recovery perspective, that that you didn't get oh. when you were doing things back in the day. Oh, geez, what was you mean beyond the nirvana of site to site replication? Yeah, beyond the nirvana of site to site replication. Uh, wow. Oh well, okay. Um, full, full automation of the uh, the process of of upgrading. I mean. Upgrading from one version to of uh, net backup to another, or you know, having clients updated <laughs> when you have to deal with different um, uh, support groups, you know, like Windows, right. Unix, and VMware, you know, by right. by 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 telling you know somebody, hey, you best have your systems all on the latest version of net backup or you're going to have problems. And they look at you and say, oh, you know, that's a project. So we're going to have to take some time with that. And then just like throw up your hands. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could have had that kind of thing. That would have been great. Yeah, and and that is a, a real challenge for because no one wants to upgrade their backup server, right? 
and and your clients they don't want to upgrade their their backup client because it's just it's just they don't they don't really get any benefit out of it right well they, they don't um, get all, any perceived benefit out of it. perceived benefit all, out of it right right until yeah. something breaks <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like why yeah. didn't you upgrade it <laughs> so that so ap- after after solving all the tape problem and everything, this was what you were left with was that maintenance, yeah. that ongoing maintenance. Yeah, that ongoing maintenance. And, and upgrading the backup servers was not a big deal because it was just our group that was you know involved with it. So us doing it was not a big deal. But to tell other people in other groups with different managers that, hey, you've got a thousand Unix servers out there that need to be upgraded to a newer version of NetBackup, they're like, meh. <laughs> We'll just let it go. <laughs> yeah, that, and and again, I, I swear I did not give you this question just so I could say this, but this is one of the beauties of SaaS based backup. Is that <laughs> you don't have that problem, right? Yeah, you're never upgrading the backup server, and and we even solved the 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 updating of the client that that can be done by the software itself, and you can you know schedule it. I'd I'd like it to just be completely automatic, but I think that a lot of companies don't want that, right? They want some control over when that happens so that they know mm-hmm. that it's happening, <clears throat> but you wouldn't, you wouldn't have had to, um, you wouldn't have had to spend a lot of time upgrading the servers and upgrading the clients because magic just would have happened. But, um, but Hey, but now you're gone. <laughs> yeah. This, this is the secret. This is the secret to backup success is leaving the yeah. job altogether. <laughs> now, now I'm gone, but let me just put in a shameless plug and say to anybody out there who's listening, if you're interested in hiring me as a net backup admin, <laughs> absolutely. Contact me. Yeah. Stuart knows his stuff and he's got yeah. grandkids to pay for. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> how many, a how teacher. many grandkids you got going on there? Three so far. Three, three so far. But, yeah. But two, two here in Denver and one in Seattle. Yeah. Cause you now live in Denver. That's right. You've been following your, you've been following your grandkids around. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That is that that may be a future that may be my future as well. Uh right now my grandkid uh <laughs> my office is their former bedroom and their other bedroom is now right above me so <laughs> I don't have to travel anywhere to see my grandchild. So Stuart <laughs> So Stuart, I, I want to say, you know, thanks for coming on. I mean, it's been great to, to you know, we talk me. about you so many times. <laughs> Your name has come up on this podcast so many times as like yeah. the guy that told me to put a testing chapter into my book and <laughs> all of that, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Your name does come up quite often, Stuart, and it's great to finally meet you virtually. And, not, you, and not just because, yeah. you know, we like to giggle at your name. <laughs> well, by the way, for the, nice. for those listening and not reading, uh, it is little with with D's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Stuart no Little, yeah. not Little. Yeah. Uh, he's mm-hmm. not he's not the mouse. But uh, anyway, so and uh, and persona is not a cat. Yeah, persona is not a cat. And and persona, thanks for your <clears throat> questions as well. I know this was a pleasure and i hope i wasn't poking too much fun at you curtis and asking Stuart to re- uh, reveal all the mysteries about curtis <laughs> no one no one knows all the secrets um and uh <laughs> i want to thank you again to our listeners remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all <laughs>